I feel extremely uh, privileged to be here today. I am also, uh, this is an also an answer to prayer. Uh, I have, I was in the world for a long time and got a lot of training from the world on from psychology to business practices to how to consult and to be able to use that for God and to actually transform it to God because most of what I learned um, was error. But then he's taught me how to transform that into truth that can help people grow. So that's what we're here uh, to do today. And where I want to start, I want to start giving you a definition of vision and mission because this is one of the things that's really confusing. Oh, by the way, can you hand out? Uh, I have a handout. It's six pages. Um, it is vast majority of his Ellen White comments. And since I didn't want to just put them up here and just say them and say them and say them, I'm providing them to you. So you know that what I'm saying is backed up. Okay? So the first thing, vision statement. Okay? It's really your desired end state. It is a one sentence a statement describing the clear and inspirational long-term goal. Um, desired change resulting from a person's or ministry's work. All right, so I have a question. How many of you guys are in ministry? Okay. How many of you are leading a ministry? How many of you are just sort of an individual within a ministry? Okay. How many of you are just individuals and you're trying to figure out your ministry? Okay. This applies to everyone. Okay. A lot of times people talk about a vision statement and it should be like, oh, it's for business. No, it's for every single one of us. We all need to have a long-term vision of where we want to go, where we want to end up. For Christians, that's relatively easy, at least outside of this earth. But on this earth, where do we go? That's something we need to work out with God. A mission statement is what you do. So this is where you want to, vision is where you want to be, and a mission statement is what you do. It's a one-sentence statement describing the reason a person or ministry exists. And it's used to help guide decisions about priorities, actions, and responsibilities. It is critical to you. Now, like anything else that I have to do and talk about, I like to know what the biblical spiritual foundation is for it. As I said, I came out of the world. So before I present anything to you, I need to go through it and make sure it's biblical. Is having a vision and mission statement biblical? Should you have one? Can you find it in the Bible? Can you find it in spirit of prophecy? Is it something that is a practice that fits? And then we're going to get into what are the benefits of a vision mission focus. And then we're going to get right into creating a vision statement, creating a mission statement, and then how to put them into practice. Where I've seen a lot with strategic plans, with visions and missions, people do a lot of work at creating them, and then they go, we got this done, they put it on the shelf, and they get back to work. Okay? And then maybe a few years later, somebody goes, hey, you know, we probably should do a strategic plan. You know, we've done one of those. We had a vision, we had a mission. Let's go back and dust it off and look at it. Okay? If that's your view of it, then it's a total waste of time. You shouldn't even start if that's what you're going to do. So we're going to talk about how you put it into practice once you have it, how to make it real so it actually can achieve the benefits you want it to achieve. So what's the biblical spiritual foundation? Well, the first one that I found when I looked for this is this wonderful quote, where there is no vision, the people perish. Does God use vision statements? Yeah. Hope you brought your Bibles. Believe it or not, it's a business talk with Bible opening, Bible reading. So let's go to Genesis 128. 
Let's start there, and let's see if God uses vision statements. Long-term aspirational goal. Genesis 1.28. Say amen if you're not there. All right, I'll wait a second. (laughs) Because it really isn't about who's theirs, who isn't there. (laughs) Focus. Okay, so Genesis 1.28. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. That's their vision statement. This is what I want you to do. Can they do it tomorrow? No. It's a long-term aspirational vision. I want you to have dominion. I want you to go over and take and populate the world. It's a vision. So, did that vision get changed? Slightly. Genesis 3.15. Do you have a vision? Do you provide a vision after the fall? Genesis 3.15 was probably the best vision that they ever see after the fall. And Genesis 3.15 reads, And I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed, and he shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. They received a vision of salvation. A long-term aspirational event, thing that was going to occur, that Christ was going to come. So yes, there was one. How about Genesis 12, 2 and 3? Talking to Abraham. Did he give Abraham a vision? Was it a long-term aspirational vision? Yes. He says in, in uh, Genesis 12, 2 and 3, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. 15.5 He says, he takes Abraham out and he shows him the stars. He said, now, look now toward heaven and count the stars if you're able to number them. And he said, him, said to him, so shall your descendants be. Some of my favorites from Revelation. Revelation 21. A beautiful vision. One through three. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And verse 7, he who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. Isn't that the vision we're all living for and working for? And last is Revelation twenty-two fourteen. Blessed are those who do his commandments that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates into the city. Ellen White says it's, we should think more about heaven. And we'll know why as we go through this, because it's the vision of the future. It's our grand objective. It's our grand aspirational goal for everyone we talk to, is that they will achieve heaven. 
That's the vision. So he uses visions, but is there mission statements? Does he use mission statements? Well, of course, Genesis 12.1. What did he tell Abraham? Leave the city and go out to another land. So what he had to do to get there. So leave the city, go to Canaan. That's a mission statement. Exodus 3.10. Anybody guess what that one is? Who would be in Exodus 3.10? Moses. Did he have a mission? And what was that? Yeah, go free my people. Go get them. Exodus 3.10. Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh that you will bring, may bring my people and the children of Israel out of Egypt. It's a mission. Matthew 28, 19 through 20. I'm not going to go through that one. You guys know that one. Right? That's a mission. And also, John 17, 4, what does he tell? I wish you were like my father and I. You'll be one. You'll be one. That's a mission. And last and certainly not least that I don't think I need to go over in this group is the mission for our times and our people. Revelation 14, 6 through 10. 12, three angels' message. So God uses vision. He has a vision statement, and he has mission statements. Good. So I can teach you this stuff. Isn't that nice? Okay. So you can use them. It's good to use them. It's good to have them because God and Jesus use them. Right? Our mission's for everyone. Right. This is when you can use that handout because on the handout, I have a list of Ellen White quotes right on the front page. It says, who and what have visions? It says, okay, at the age of 12, the Holy Spirit was abiding upon Jesus, and he felt something of the burden of the mission for which he had come to our world. You will see statements like this, that Jesus had a mission, Holy Spirit had a mission, angels had mi- have missions, the Bible has a mission, John the Baptist had a mission, Paul and Barnabas had a mission, children of God, us, have missions. The home has a mission. There, I found missions for... Um, sanitariums, missions for the restaurants, missions for women and children. According to Ellen White, we all have missions. So this is, everyone has one. The key is discovering what yours yours is and running your life according to it. So what are the benefits of a vision mission focus? Here's a quote. Councils of Education. We should meditate upon the mission of him who came to save his people from their sins. As we thus contemplate heavenly themes, our faith and love will grow stronger and our prayers will be more acceptable to God because they will be more and more mixed with faith and love. They will be intelligent and fervent. There will be more constant confidence in Jesus and a daily living experience in his power to save to the utmost all that come unto God by him. Did you get that? We will have more, our faith and love will grow stronger if we focus on his mission. Our prayers will be more acceptable. We will be more intelligent and fervent. We will have more constant confidence in Jesus daily. How often? Once every six months, every quarter, every year, every five-year, five-year plans. Five-year plans are great because you can put away for five years. Okay? Okay? So, daily experience. 
Where's some more? And again, these quotes are in your, your packet. In fact, on the next page on the back, strength. You get strength from, fulfilling, uh, from following the focus. Jesus got strength from it. It says here on the uh, bottom of the second page, um, second paragraph from the bottom. The accomplishment of the mission which he had left heaven to perform strengthened the Savior for his labor and lifted him above the necessities of humanity. We all know from another quote that on the cross, it was his thought of us being saved that got him through that period of time. When he was in Gethsemane and on the cross, he was thinking of the vision of us being saved, which got him through. Have anybody else had a Gethsemane experience? If you haven't, you will, because the prophet says all of us go through it. So what will get you through that? Remembering the mission and the vision that you have. That's what gets you through it, the focus on it. Say, this is what I'm here for. This is why I'm here. Unity. A singular focus on a mission brings unity more than anything else in this world. If you work with a team, what we talked about earlier, the thing that makes a good team work well is they're all focused on achieving one thing. One goal. And where do they get that one thing, one goal from? Hopefully from the vision and mission of whatever they're working with, whoever they're working with or whatever service they're working with or ministry they're working with. They get it from there. What else? Um, she says that your mind is expanded and your values change. Didn't we learn that in an early, one of the earlier the fog presentation that was given? That when you focus on greater and grander themes, your mind expands and it grows and it gets better. Guess what? That's not just from science. Ellen White said that years and years ago, 100 years ago. And it also changes your values. She says that temporal things will fade away. If you focus on his mission and you keep it clear, temporal things will fade away. What's our main enemy besides self? The world. Wouldn't it be nice if the world just faded away? Then we also hear in an earlier presentation that when you focus on higher things, self dies as you think about it. Okay? One, it helps you not to be discouraged. Why? Well, remember, Paul and Peter, when they were in prison, why were they in there? Because they remembered their mission and they're following in their in their Savior's footsteps, and he was killed. They weren't, they weren't surprised that they were imprisoned or went through trials and tribulations. So it helps them to, uh, to stay encouraged and put, uh, push through, support and trials. The other thing it gives you is boundaries. A good mission and vision statement give you boundaries. In fact, even Christ had boundaries. He had certain things he wouldn't do. Uh, on the bottom of page three, I've got a, two quotes that show you that it provides boundaries. It says, It was not part of the mission of Christ to exercise his divine power for his own benefit, to relieve himself of suffering. So he had a boundary. He couldn't use his own divine power for his own benefit. And the next one was, it was not the mission of Christ to establish a temporal power, a boundary. Now, wouldn't it have been easier if he just sort of took over the world and said, okay, now here's what we're doing? He said, no, that's not, that was not part of his, the vision or the mission what he had, is to take over the world, to run the world, to be a governor of the world. That was not his mission. 
So what's the other side of it? What are the drawbacks of not understanding the mission? Okay. Well, lack of sympathy. You look at the next quote, and there's a wonderful quote about how his brothers, Jesus' brothers didn't understand what he was there for. They could not fathom the mission which he had came to fulfill, and therefore could not sympathize with him in his trials. In fact, even his disciples had that problem, didn't they? In Gethsemane, they had problems sympathizing with his trials because they're going, what's going on? We didn't understand that he was going to die the next day. He came to die, so they couldn't sympathize with him. They couldn't help him during those times because they didn't understand his mission. Make wrong decisions. Did they ever make wrong decisions because they didn't understand his mission? Sure, let's talk about the last days again. Peter drew out a sword and was going to go fight and cut off somebody's ear. Why? Because he didn't realize that he was supposed to go, Jesus was supposed to go die. Bad decision. The worst decision, how about Judas? Judas thought he was just, he was making a decision to help push Christ to the throne. Instead, it got him on the cross. How about your priorities? Everybody else different. Judas had a, you know, a lot of those guys had wrong priorities because they didn't understand the mission of um, reaching the entire world of the Gentiles. So they had prioritized on the Jews or prioritized someplace else. They wouldn't take care of somebody who was there or their children. They didn't understand his mission. And the biggest one is great disappointments. Don't understand the mission? You could have a great disappointment. Think if I can think of any of those. Let me think. Um, 1844. Great disappointment. We didn't understand the mission. How about the cross? Huge disappointment. There was a lot of people who were like going, uh, we didn't expect this. It was a huge disappointment to see Christ on the cross. We, we now celebrate it. And, and, and actually heaven, if you read in Revelation, heaven celebrated it. I mean, once he was there, they go, look, Satan is destroyed. They understood. So they weren't disappointed. They were praising the Lord. But we were greatly disappointed. So if you don't understand somebody's mission, they, you can see them taking a turn going over here and going, why? It's important to have one. So then the question is, okay, well, that's all about Christ and focusing on, on, on his mission, and that's, that's really good, but what about my mission? What about mine? I, we're here about this, and what's my vision? Well, here's some nice quotes that it can help you. The mission of Christ from the heavenly courts to his death upon the cross embraces in it the true unchanging principle that should be developed in every mission that shall be entered upon and established by all who believe in Jesus Christ. In the sacrifice of Christ are found the spring and principle of every other mission of love. Is your ministry a mission of love? Then your focus and your vision and your mission needs to be within Christ's mission and vision. Okay. Amen? <laughs> okay. It's not your own. This is the beauty of working with my church rather than working for businesses. When you work for business, you can go up to somebody and say, what do you want to do? And it could be anything. Okay. But when you work for God, you already have boundaries. It's one of the easiest things to do is to come up with at least with a broad vision in this because we already have visions out there. 
We just need to say, which one of Christ's visions do I want to adopt and really go after? It's a beautiful thing to be aligned with God. Because remember, a big part of this is about alignment. You have a vision and mission to make sure you're aligned all the way through other things. And I'm certainly hoping that in your ministry you want to be aligned with whatever God wants you to be. Because I've learned that the safest place to be in the entire universe is where God wants me to be. It's the only safe place to be. And if I'm not where God wants me to be, it's not safe. It may be fruitful for a season, but not for eternity. That makes sense? Amen. So what was Christ's mission? Well, again, I have these, all these quotes in here, and we're going to go over them because it's important to do this, and I'm not telling you that this is an exhaustive list. I will tell you that um, when I did the search for mission in Ellen White's writing, there was 574 hits. Okay? I got through 180. Okay? So I'm sure there's more. But this is what I found. Okay? Christ declares the mission he had come into the earth. O righteous Father, the world hath not known thee, but I have known thee, and these have known that thou hast sent me. And I have declared unto them thy name, and I will declare it, that the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them, and I in them. To heal the sick, encourage the hopeless, bind up the brokenhearted. To save his people from their sins. To reconcile men to God and thus to one another. To seek and save those who are perishing. To establish in every believer a sense of the guiding and controlling power of God. I like that one. Isn't that nice? A sense with everybody of the guiding and controlling power of God. To oppose these very evils, which is worldly wisdom, national exaltation, and religious exclusiveness. To correct these erroneous errors and to work a reformation in faith and morals. He attracted attention to purity of life to humility of spirit, and to devotion to God and his cause without hope of worldly honor or reward. To rescue from the power of his great adversary. Amen. Open uh, to the minds of men truth. To magnify the law and make it honorable, he came as the sin bearer, And the mission that he committed to Christ is to disentangle his followers from all worldly policy and to give them a work identical with the work that Christ did. Okay, With worldly policy. This is why I made sure that this was biblical to present. I don't want it to be worldly policy. Beware of worldly policy. Beware of business books. Okay, I like business books. I've read them. I've gotten things out of them. But... They have a different philosophy and a mindset than Christians do. Okay? There may be some truths in there because truth is truth. But it doesn't mean that it comes from a, an area and a direction that's going to lead you all the way to heaven. So beware. Okay. All right. So how do you create your own? That's what we're here for. Okay? How do you create your own mission and vision? First of all, what's the importance of it? Success in any line demands a definite aim. He who would achieve true success in life must keep steadily in view the aim worthy of his endeavor. And true success in education, as in everything else, is found in keeping the future life in view. Vision, mission. 
the future life and view. That's how you will achieve success. And you need to be able to have a definite aim. Vision versus uh, mission. What, how are the differences of them? Vision statements, what you want to be in the future. Mission statements, what you are now. Source of information, inspiration, excuse me, what you do, what you're about. Decision-making criteria, it provides decision-making criteria. And what the future will be if you follow the mission statement. Okay? If you follow this, you're going to achieve that. Mission statement, who, um, it talks about who you're serving, your broad goals and plans, and it talks about how you will attain your vision. See how they tie together? Okay. And if they don't tie together, beware. It's one way to look and see if they work well together. It does, will my mission lead to my vision? And does my vision align with my mission? Okay. Which comes first? Okay. Actually, a question. Which comes first, the chicken or the egg? Come on, you guys are, this is a, this is a creationist question. What came first, chicken or egg? Chicken, come on, everything was made whole. <laughs> okay? If you're an evolutionist, you probably think egg. Okay? So, which comes first? For a new ministry, a new program, or if you're planning to re-engineer your current services, start with vision. Begin that, because that will guide everything else. But if you've been established for a long period of time, and you know, and your mission is established, then you might probably want to uh, work on your mission and develop that, and then have that guide your vision. You say, well, what are we doing now, and then what are we aiming for? Um, there really isn't a huge right or wrong for this one, but this is sort of the generic guidelines for this. Okay. Right, creating your vision. A little prettier out there. Okay. I'm from Michigan. I like this. Okay, sunshine. Okay, this is, this is the vision in the, middle of, uh, in the middle of March for people who live in Michigan. Sunshine. Okay? And it is a far-off you know, aspirational goal. Okay? Okay. Vision statements, the purpose of them. As we said before, to inspire, to motivate, to provide direction, to provide priorities, and to communicate. What you need to do a lot in, your, in, your, in any business, in any service, in any ministry, you need to be able to communicate to others what you're about. Why you do what you do what you're aiming for. It's important to do that. And you know what? It's important to be able to do it in an elevator going from one floor to the next floor. Okay? It's important to do if somebody says, comes up and says, hey, what do you do? I do this. And it should be relatively quick before their eyes glaze over and you realize that you, you want to pull out your PowerPoint presentation, your iPad, and go, look, look, I'll show you. I'm on page five. Okay? No, it needs to be quick and easy to communicate so people can understand it. Okay? So, how do you go about creating one? Questions to consider. There's one thing I like about Craig says, questions are powerful. And so you need to ask the right questions. So this is about, uh, a bunch of different questions that you can ask yourself to lead you to your vision. The first one is, what has God laid upon your heart? Okay? Not what God's laid upon my best friend's heart, or my parents' heart, or my kids' hearts, or, or the person I admire over here's heart. What does he put on my heart? Okay. Because one of the things that we heard before, you have a special place in God's world. And you have a, he has a plan for you that only you can do. 
Now, other people can end up filling in, but I would tell you that while uh, there are some people who are going to be lost because you didn't do your work, okay? It's, 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 it's as black and what is that? And the other side is you will not be happy unless you're doing God's work. You will not be fulfilled. You may seem to be and be okay, but only true joy and true thing is and when you find out what God wants you to do and you do it. And notice how I didn't put what you wanted to do. Because often where you're going to be happiest is, is someplace where you never thought you would ever be or do. Okay? Ask Danny Shelton. Okay? You think he's happy? He looks happy every time I talk to him. He's got a big grin on his face. Look what I'm doing. Did he ever plan on doing that? No, he wanted to be probably a country singer. Okay? He still gets to do that. Okay? <laughs> All right? So what issue or problem needs to be changed? From a ministry perspective, that's it. From a business, that question doesn't make much sense. But from a ministry, it does. What issue or problem needs to be changed? What issue or problem are you trying to address? Okay? Why should the issue be addressed? Okay? That's really critically important to know. Because there's a lot of things we address issues because they're a gateway. The health ministry is a gateway, isn't it? It's not the way. It's it's the gateway to the gospel. It's not the way. And and one of the biggest dangers I've seen in the health ministries is people forget that the vision is heaven. It's not healthy sinners. Okay? And I've seen that in large organizations. I've seen that where, in fact, actually I've experienced it where I was talking to somebody. I said, um, talking to a large organization, international organization. I said, look, um, actually I was asked to come and say what we need to do with our smoking programs, anti-smoking programs. So I did some research. I looked at it. I said, I know what we need to do to differentiate ourselves. And they said, what? I said, we need to become Christian. We need to be fo- solely focused on, we need to present it as, a, as God's way of curing Smoking. And some people, some different countries, screamed up and raised up and said, we can't do that. We're more interested in stopping people from smoking. They forgot their vision. They forgot why, why the issue needs to be addressed. The issue needs to be addressed of health so to clear up the frontal lobe so they can hear God. Or so they can gain trust in you that you know what you're talking about so they'll trust what you say about Jesus. It's not about making them healthy even though it's really wonderful to make them healthy. Okay. What is the dream end state? What is it supposed to, what the vision is about, what is, what is it going to look like when I'm done? If everything, it's like one of those things, if everything comes the way I want it to come, or God wants it to be done, what's it going to look like? And that's it. Okay. So what would success look like? If I achieve all this, what is it going to look like? Another question, what is his broader long-term purpose for your ministry? He may be saying, right now, I want you to, t- to have you know, this, this little room in here to do this health ministry and, and share tracts with people there. But where does he want you to go? Now, I have to tell you that sometimes God doesn't, actually, say often God doesn't tell you where he wants you to go that far off. Okay. In fact, actually, I think he's pretty wise about that because we'd probably go, you've got to be kidding me. Really? I can't do that. So a lot of times he just takes you little steps of the way. But it's nice to at least think of the larger vision of Christ and where he wants to, everybody to be when you're doing this. Okay. 
What does he aspire you to become? I also want to make this individual. Because while we need to do this for our ministry, we also need to do it for ourselves. Especially since, for the most part, you are the ministry. And if you're a part of the ministry, you are such a critical part that if you aren't what God wants you to aspire to be, then you're going to hurt the ministry you're in. So, And what good is it going to be, if, as we said earlier today, if you save 1,000 people and you're lost? It's going to make Christ very, very unhappy. Okay. Effective vision statements. They paint a vivid and clear picture. They're not ambiguous. You can read it and look at it and go, that's it. I understand what they're saying. Can you give it to a stranger and they'll go, oh, that's what you want to do. They, they may not like, agree with it, but they at least know what you're wanting to do. It's to describe a bright future of hope. Okay? Don't make a vision that says, I'm going to drag everybody out of the despair of, of death so that they can claw their way into heaven. No, that sounds horrible. Okay? Um, make a bright future, hopeful. They're memorable and engaging. You should be able to, if you got one, if I ask you right now, you can stand up and say it, and somebody else will remember it, or at least remember the main components of it, as Craig was talking about yesterday. Describe realistic and achievable aspiration. Remember, we're Christians. What's achievable and realistic to us may be completely crazy to everybody else. Okay? Because God does miracles. Amen. And it's aligned with values. It needs to be aligned. So these are the effective vision statements and things to look at. Um, good vision statements are short. Short. Okay? Seven words would be remarkably great. Um, 20 words, okay. If you think you have to put a period down and start more, you're, you're too long. Okay? And if you have to put the second or third semicolon in it, you're really too long. Okay? They should be relatively short so people can remember them. Um, actually, I read something that said, if you cannot put your vision and or your mission statement on the back of a t-shirt, it's too long and it's relatively useless. Okay? It should be able to be, uh, avoid elaborate words and jargon. You want to make it so people can understand it. Easily explained uh, by others. So others can explain it. Not just to others, but by others should be able to explain it. And not to be confused with your mission, yet it is supported by it. So it shouldn't read identical to your mission statement. Here's some examples. Can you read that? Good. Oxfam. I have no idea who they are, but they had a a short five words. A just world without poverty. Now, isn't, I mean, you know what they're trying to do, aren't they? It's a just world without poverty. That's actually a pretty good mission, isn't it? Or vision. Uh, Feeding America. A hunger-free America. Actually, I I know somebody, uh, I saw like um, for a couple of diseases, they had the same thing. A, a world free of this disease, a world free of that disease, multiple sclerosis and things. It's a great vision. Okay? Uh, multiple sclerosis society says a world free of MS. Human rights a campaign. Equality for everyone. Okay? Alzheimer's Association. Our vision is a world without Alzheimer's. Habitat for humanity. A world where everyone has a decent place to live. Okay? Oceana. Seeks to make our oceans as rich, healthy, and abundant as they once were. 
San Diego Zoo to become a world leader at connecting people to wildlife and conservation. And Boy Scouts of America, to prepare every eligible youth in America to become a responsible, participating citizen and leader who is guided by the Scout Oath and Law. A little law, but it's okay. Actually, I think they got some of their mission in there. They probably should have just said uh, citizen and leader and left out the rest. Okay. There's some more. Um, I'm not going to go through them. Okay. So there are some good ones. All right. Um, creating a mission statement. If we fulfill the mission that has been assigned us, the results will be seen in the kingdom of God, and to us will be spoken the words, Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. That's why it's important to have your mission. This is a criteria for getting this said to you. Who wants this said to them? Amen. I do too. Okay, purpose. This is, this is a beautiful thing. Christ brought his desires and wishes into strict abeyance to his mission, the mission that bore the insignia of heaven. He made everything subordinate to the work that he came to this world to accomplish. That's the purpose of your mission statement. So it lines everything you do into it. Everything becomes subservient to that mission. Every decision, every dollar, every place you go, everything you do is subservient to that. You line everything up to it. And if it doesn't fit, you don't do it. Okay? If it doesn't fit, you don't do it. Somebody comes up to you and says, uh, say, hunger-free America. They go, okay, yeah, great. Okay, I want you to help build us houses. Oh, I'm sorry, we're not about that. Do you want us to feed the people? <laughs> no, no, I want you to come build us houses. No, we're not going to spend time building houses. We're going to go feed the people. And I listen to your ministries, and I'm sure that's where you guys struggle. Okay? Because it's almost like I go through, I read the Spirit of Prophecy, and go, okay, now, where are all the possible ministries that could be had out there? And I see some of your ministries, and it's like, wow, it's like you went through and went, check, 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 got them all. <laughs> okay? So we need to be careful and um, try to narrow things down. The purpose of mission statements Communicate a significant message which, can, which every organization stakeholder can understand, live by, pass on, and make decisions by. Okay? Everyone. Okay? It's not just for the manager or the president or the board. It's for the person who takes out the trash, the person who does the mail, for the accountant, for, for the volunteer. Everybody who touches your organization, touches it, should know what your mission is and align themselves to it to know what it is. Everyone. Okay. Questions to consider when creating a mission. What does Jesus want you to do? Okay. Who does he want you to reach? Where does he want you to serve? What's geography? I'll tell you, I, I know the first place he wants you to serve. Anybody know the first place he wants you to serve? Pardon? Where you are. Your home? Yeah, where you are. <laughs> okay, where you are. Okay. Starts in the home, because that's usually where you start. You go, where am I? I'm here with my home. But he wants you to start wherever you are. Okay. What will your ministry do for those he wants you to reach? And why do you exist? Okay. What will you be doing to attain the vision God has given you? Okay. What kind of program are you? Nonprofit? Onward. And what is the broadest way to describe your work? Not the narrowest way, because that's where you get in these long mission statements. Well, because people come in and they go, well, why don't we do that? 
well, we also do that. Well, we also do this. And you want to put it all in your mission statement. No, move it up. Okay? Health food industries. I think that's one of the things uh, uh, Mark had is health food industries, uh, integrate health food industries um, with sharing the gospel. Health food industries is about as high as it goes. He does a lot more than just health food industries. But he didn't say, well, we want to have a, a warehouse. We want to ship it out. We want to go. No. We're food. That's broad. Say it. Good mission statements. Short, clear, simple. Avoids elaborate words and jargon. Easily explained by those involved. <laughs> so those who are involved in it should be able to explain it. You should be able to go to the people and say, here's a mission statement. Do you understand it? What you do and where you fit? They should be able to look at it and go, oh yeah, that's what I, do. That's what I did that yesterday. I'm going to do some more of that today. Okay? Is it operative? Which means can you then take it and make it um, practical in each daily decision and your daily focus in life. Is it recognizably yours? Okay. Does it clearly define what you do and do not do and it's not to be confused with your vision? Okay. Now here's some examples and what I've done with this is I've given the examples and I've also shared their vision so you can sort of look at it at the same time. Okay. Smithsonian, the increase and diffusion of knowledge. That's their mission statement. Their vision is shaping the future by preserving our heritage, discovering new knowledge, and sharing our resources with the world. Okay? So you can see that's their vision, but up here, well, and, what they do, and this, is, this is where they want to be. This is what we do. Well, we increase in the diffusion of knowledge. That's how we do that. Okay? Oxfam, we said a, a just world without poverty to create lasting solutions to poverty, hunger, and social injustice. In Touch Ministries, oh, what's their vision? Proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ to people in every country of the world. How are they going to do that? To lead people worldwide into a growing relationship with Jesus and to strengthen the local church. Human rights, remember we saw that was equality for everyone? Guess what their mission statement is? Okay. Uh, is America's largest civil rights organization working to achieve lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender equality? I think they forgot the everyone part in their mission. Seems like they're more focused, don't they? It's, it's interesting, isn't it? It's shocking when you see equality for everyone, what their mission statement is. Okay. I was hoping Christians were in there. We're, we're sort of persecuted across the world, aren't we? Okay. Teach for America. Their vision is one day all children in this nation will have the opportunity to attain an excellent education. And their, and their mission is, grow, is growing the movements of leaders who work to ensure that kids growing up in poverty get an excellent education. So what I like about this because they're focusing on, tells you who they're going after. We're going after leaders. We're going to influence leaders to provide that opportunity. So it narrows it down and says, this is what we're going to do to obtain that. Habitat uh, for Humanity, um, their mission is seeking to put God's love into action. Habitat for humanity, humanity brings people together to build homes, communities, and hope. That's pretty neat, isn't it? You would never guess a world where everyone is a decent place to live. They put God in their mission statement. Is how they're going to do it. That's, I, did, I didn't know they were a Christian organization. Um, San Diego Zoo. Uh, this is, this isn't, some of these aren't the best ones in the world. They're, they're out there, but they're not, good, not great ones. It's a conservation, education, and recreation organization dedicated to reproduction, protection, and exhibition of animals, plants, and their habitats. Now, there is a rule around mission statements that you should limit yourself to three verbs, you know, three action statements. I saw one the other day where somebody shared it, and they had three 
uh, I think it was uh, uh, Dr. Das's one. He had, she had three things that she does. Boom, boom, boom. That's good. She had three. But they have three and three. That's six. And then they have animals, plants. And, so they, they sort of get, they got the three idea, but they multiplied it by three. <laughs> so maybe they thought it was three to the third power. Um, so it's a little long. Boy Scouts of America, their mission is to prepare young people to make ethical and moral choices over their lifetimes by instilling in them the values of the scout, oath, and law. So you see how they, they can work together? Some examples are? Okay, some more. Uh, Vision Hunger, uh, Feeding America, Hunger Free America, their mission to feed America's hungry through a nationwide network of member food banks and engage our country in the fight to end hunger. So they said that their ways they're going to do it, they're going to establish a network of food banks and they're going to work politically to work that way. All right. Well, that's enough. So clear what mission statements look like and vision statements and how they tie together. So how do you put them in practice? Okay. One, people need to have meaning in life. They just do. And where they can get meaning, it comes first and foremost from your vision and mission. If leaders do not communicate why what is being done in light of the purpose, they lose a powerful motivator both internally and externally for what they do. It is a, we talked earlier today about, especially in self-supporting industries, about how to reward people and motivate them and get them to go work. Vision and mission is how, how it's done. If they believe in the mission, if they believe in the vision, people will die for the, people die for concepts. People die for high goals. And that's what you need to give them. This is the beauty of the gospel to the people out there who are suffering and they don't have any hope. You give them this higher level of what's really going on. It's a powerful motivator. So you need to use it. And again, putting it into practice, there's three simple um, principles around culture change. And that's what this is about, is creating a culture. And culture is about three things. You communicate the message to people. You tell them what it is. And then once you're done communicating it to them, the next time you see them, you communicate it to them. And then later on, a couple of weeks later, a couple of months later, a couple of six months later, a year later, you communicate it to them again. And you keep on communicating until they realize that, you know what, this guy's pretty serious about this. And the key part about this is that most of us have lived, if you've been in the business world or some other agencies for a while, you've been in there long enough, there's something called, like the, we used to call it the program of the month. Okay? And in the consulting world, and hanging around, I used to say, say, I used to just go to the bookstores, and I would look at the business section, I'd look at what the best sellers were, and I would go into business, and I would bet you within six months there was going to be a new initiative of how to implement the newest book that's out there. And it would start up high, and they'd hire people like me to come in and try to get it down to low. And you know what happened at the bottom level? The bottom level, it would hit their ears, and they, and they would just go, okay. And they would just keep on doing whatever they normally do. And they just keep on doing what they did every day. Because you know what? Three months later, six months later, it's going to be a different message. And so what they, just, they just learned to ignore it. That's horrible management. Because that teaches people not to listen to you. So the key part of putting this in practice is communicating and communicating and communicating over a long period of time and staying consistent with it. Unless God comes and says, you're going the wrong way, go that way. But then you communicate that and communicate it and communicate it. That the Lord stopped me. 
Has that ever happened to anybody? I think Paul had a pretty good vision and mission, didn't you? He had a clear vision, clear mission. He was going for it. Passionate, driven, getting people to help him out. He, he had a powerful ministry. He was going and killing all those bad Christian people, people the way. God just came and knocked him, off, knocked him down and said, <clears throat> excuse me, what are you doing? Okay, new mission. New vision, new mission. God will do that for you if you're going the wrong way. Hey, what else do you do? You operationalize the mission through your strategies, strategic initiatives, priorities, metrics, and organizational structure. And the most important thing to do if you want any cultural change or any behavior change in any place is to align your rewards with your mission and your vision and what you want to do. If your rewards aren't aligned with it, you will get what you reward. Okay? I'll, it's, it's just, it's a law. If you reward people for certain things, they'll do it. It doesn't matter what your vision is, what your mission is, what your values are. They will do what you reward. So make sure that when you have your mission and vision that how you promote people, what you give them attaboys for, what you encourage them for, what they get anything for is aligned up with your mission and, <laughs> mission and vision and values. And if you're getting people who are operating differently than you want, it's the first place to look. First place to look. Hey, uh, changing the vision and mission. As you can probably guess, vision should be changed rarely. It should be an act of God. If you've got it nailed down and you're ready and you're really prayed about it and it's there, God should have to come by and say, change it. The wrong way. Mission, it should, you should review your mission every year with your strategic plan. With your strategic plan. Um, you shouldn't revise it very frequently. It should be very infrequently changed, but you should at least review it and say, is it still aligned? Does it still work? Do we need to tweak it? Did we get it right or wrong? Okay. All right. And in close, my favorite, where there is no vision, the people perish. Where there is no vision, where there is no alignment with the vision and mission of God's, not your own, of God's, your ministry will fail. If you don't align all your principles, practice, and everything with what God wants, it will fail. Period. Okay? Marching orders. This is a great statement from Gospel Workers. The Duke of Wellington was once present where a party of Christian men were discussing the possibility of success in missionary effort. <laughs> okay? Among the heathen. They're sitting around going, okay, is this going to work? We're going to go to the heathen. Is this going to work? And they're sort of pondering whether it's going to be successful or not. And they appealed to him and said, hey, you know, in your judgment, are these efforts likely to prove a success? You know what he said to him? Gentlemen, what are your marching orders? Success is not the question for you to discuss. If I read your orders right, they run thus. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Gentlemen and ladies, obey your marching orders. Amen. It is not for you to figure out whether it's going to be a success or not. It's for you to do whatever to make it successful, whatever God does. Be faithful and he'll make it a success. And to encourage you, I'm going to change the verbiage of this to make it you. This is what he... Um, Verbiage to the uh, disciples. You would not be left, you will not be left alone to fight alone. He assures you that he would be with you, that he will be with you, and that if you would go forth in faith, you will move under the shield of omnipotence. Jesus will 
bade you to be brave and strong, for one mightier than the angels will be in your ranks. The general of the armies of heaven, he made full provision for the prosecution of their work and took upon himself the responsibility of his success. So long as they obeyed his word and worked in connection with him, they could not fail. You cannot fail as long as you follow him. You cannot fail as long as your vision and your mission aligns with his vision and mission and what he wants for you to do where he wants you to do it in the methods he wants you to do it. This is critical for you to know and to have. For without vision, we perish. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you humble servants and we ask for you to guide us, to show us clearly your vision for us, your mission for us. And Lord, as you do that for each one of us individually, we ask that you break our hearts, that you help us to be humble, to follow wherever you lead, whether it seems too grand or too small. Wherever you have us to do, give us the power and the strength and the willingness to follow you. And then we will be truly blessed and happy. In Jesus' holy name, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.